So, Suzanne, those phrases. Now we all know what a double cork is. Yes. Yeah, a front side double cork. Yes. And isn't that funny? Like, that was gobbledygook to us 10 days ago, and now we can kind of profess to know what they're talking about. What they're talking about is the tricks snowboarders are performing at the Winter Olympics in Beijing. Going switch back nine on that jump. Beautiful 1080. Okay, here we go. And back to back 10. Huge landing in the parking lot down there. A jump combo of a switch backside 900 Indy to front double 1080 Mellon to backside 1080. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly, and today on The Detail, our first Winter Olympics gold medal has given us more than a slew of new words and phrases. It's propelled snow sports to new heights, and it's all thanks to the 20-year-old Wanaka Wanda. And the 92.88 Zoe Sadowski-Sinnott has done it on the final run of competition. She grabs the gold medal. Did a back 10 on my first hit and then a front 7 to warm up for the front side double 1080 and really soaked to land. Newsroom's locker room editor Suzanne McFadden has been following Sadowski-Sinnott for years and has been watching her latest feats. She's made up her own glossary of terms and phrases that she refers to as she covers the games. How brilliant. We we all came to know that you had to land on your snowboard safely to get a high score. So we all became experts at that. And, you know, the old watching competitors before Zoanne going, I hope you land on your bum. <laughs> I know. And the other thing is knowing that grabbing your snowboard is also a crucial point. That, that get, yeah. gets you a lot of marks. Yeah. Watch her style on these spins as well because One. she holds the grab for so long. It, it seems to be over in seconds and yet when you slow it down and you can actually see what Zoe is doing. I like how the New York Times tweeted a frame-by-frame breakdown of her going through the year, and that's when you get the full appreciation of it. Yes. Because the 1080 is three rotations. She has to get herself high enough up in the air to be able to... Eight metres she was getting. To be able to do the tricks. And it was fascinating to see, you know, her attempt the 1260, but then a Japanese girl nearly pulled off a 1440, which is four full rotations. I think that's another part that I loved about watching these Winter Olympics was the appreciation by their rivals, you know, of what they've done. And, you know, these girls running across the snow and grabbing, you know, the girl after she's attempted whether um, succeeded or failed, mm. but knowing that was a really special moment in the history of snowboarding. This was an incredible day. Love to see this, all the women coming together, because they know not only was today about the top three, it was about these 12 women raising the bar, showing what has progressed in the past four years. Women's snowboarding is at an incredible place. And that camaraderie, a lot, quite a lot has been made of that. Is How unusual is that? to be so supportive of, of your rival at the Olympics? I think it's really different to what we've seen at, say, the Summer Olympics. You don't see paddlers jump out of their boat and go and give Lisa Carrington a hug because she's won yet another gold medal. There's always that respect, but, you know, that standoff kind of, you you are my rival and I want to beat you. But 
the snowboarding fraternity seems to be incredibly close. You know, there's not a lot of them who travel the world on the world tour. But, you know, they're competing every weekend together. Are they? Yeah, and around the world. There's hardly a time when they're not competing. A lot of them are young and travelling on their own. That becomes their family when they're away. And they push each other. So they'll see one of them doing, you know, a trick at a competition and go, oh, man, I want to do that. I'm sure that I could do that and go away and work on it. But I think... They just really, really appreciate each other's skills. They appreciate each other's friendship on, you know, what is really demanding circuit for them. And especially, I imagine, in COVID times when, you know, they've had to be having to travel without their families and friends, you know, no family or friends at these Winter Mm. Olympics. Yeah, we're all just stoked to be here and watching everyone else uh, do some of the best tricks of their life. If you want to say g'day to everyone back home. Hi, guys. I hope you enjoy watching. Miss you and love you. Let's talk about Zoe because she comes across as an ordinary young New Zealand woman, but she's not. No. I love how she is able to come across as just another girl, another young woman who loves what she's doing and she's having so much fun, but she's also incredibly driven. Zoe does um, maintain that mindset that she's just Zoe, but she's deep down, she's a high achiever. You know, she sets her goals high and she chases them really hard and puts in the work that's needed to achieve those. So when she's not on the hill, she's watching it. When she's on the hill, she's trying to think of something else that she can do. She studies every little part of it, knows all her competition. and She's a one of a kind. This is a kid who, from the age of eight, would go to this Cadrona before school and after school every day to, to train, to snowboard, to learn. I'd skied before but never really found my feet and then, yeah, snowboarding came along and it kind of clicked for me and my parents ended up managing Snow Park New Zealand on the Pisa range and I was amongst the best snowboarders in the world in the best terrain park in the world, solely focused on having the sickest jumps and the best features, so that really started it all for me. She wants to win. She, you know, There's no doubt about it that she goes there to win. The reaction between her winning gold in the slope style and then silver in the big air was quite different. Oh, was it? Yeah. Gold blew her away. It was just, you know, out of this world. And silver was a tinge of disappointment because she really wanted to win that gold. And having won both slope style and big air at the X Games in January, which is also another really big deal, you know, she was she was favourite mm. to win. And I think all of us felt a little bit, oh, when mm. she won the silver. But, my God, that's only the fifth medal that New Zealand has ever won at a Winter Olympics. Sadowski Sinek continues to rise to the occasion. She is a dominant force of nature in snowboarding, and now she has a silver medal to add to her collection. Only the second silver. It was a huge, huge achievement when you look at what she did, you know, within the space of eight days, I think. One of her coaches, Sean Thompson, was saying, you know, there's been a lot of tears, you know, happy and painful, you know. Imagine the number of times she attempts 
a 12.60 and crashes. Mm. For sure, fear comes into it hugely and that and that's what we juggle. We're always on the line of fear and pushing through it all the time. Um, it, snowboarding takes a long time to get good um, and a lot of effort and a lot of uh, – a lot of crashes and a lot of highs and lows uh, that come with it. But um, we just build on, on the skill and you just got to get that sweet spot of pushing the skill um, as much as you can without breaking and, and without hurting yourself too much. That's got to hurt a lot of the time, but this is what she's used to doing. If, if you want to pull off the best tricks in the world, do things that no other snowboarder has done, which is your aim all the time. You've got to put in tens of thousands of hours. It's fascinating to me, you know, that when she returned from Pyeongchang in 2018, you know, straight away it was like, okay, I want to do the next Olympics and this is what I think I'm going to have to do to win. So they're having to almost look into a crystal ball four years ahead and go, okay, what will my rivals be doing in four years' time, how fast will they have progressed? And I think that if you went back and looked at, you know, the Olympics four years ago to now, women's snowboarding has um, progressed hugely. And so to be on top of that mm. is, and, and to know, okay, would I be able to do a 1260? Would I be able to, you know, push my body through the air that fast and and still land it? in four years' time. Um, but so is that specifically what she she came back from the, the previous Olympics thinking, I've got to do a 12.60? I'm, I'm not sure if she knew that that's, it was definitely the 12.60. You know, she knew she had to do um, double cork 1080s and, and do them really well. But I, she said after she won her silver that she'd only perfected that trick, the 12.60, six weeks ago. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So she knew that she had to pull off that trick. Right. She was always going to do it. Where would she be doing all this training? Because it's summer in New Zealand. Yeah. Or or are there facilities here in New Zealand where she can do that during the summer? Well, since Pyeongchang Snow Sport New Zealand has put up a giant airbag, a landing bag on Kadrona, so that the way that you progress through a trick is you put it down on paper – probably the old-fashioned way of saying it, but, you know, they probably do it on the computer and that. And then you do, do the trick on the trampoline and then you go out and do it on the landing bag and then you go out and do it on the snow. So Snow Sport New Zealand had got funding to build a dry slope, which is you know, which mimics snow, so that you could use that all year round. When there's no snow on the mountains, a dry slope, you can use it any time of year and so I'm um, sorry to interrupt but so a dry slope w- wouldn't have um fake snow on it no so no. W- would she still be on a snowboard yes yeah. oh she's on so a snowboard it, but it it's... mimics okay. the snow that would have been in place before these olympics had it not been for covid so covid slowed all that down it will be built it's be, apparently it's before council now the place where they want to put it in at Wanaka so She'll be able to use that before the next Olympics, probably. Mm. So that means that during the summer here, if she's here, she'll be able to use that. 
Um, but this time she had to go overseas in November and head to the Northern Hemisphere and head to the snow. This is a high-risk sport, and she must be fearless to take it on. But yeah, then I've, I've heard an interview with her parents who said... Nerves are still. Oh, yeah, no, I know I've got the answer for this one. Um, no. I'll tell you what scares her. is Nothing. What scares her is the possibility that she might not to go, go get the opportunity to do a comp that she wants to do. And the media used to scare her. The media scares her, terrifies her. Um, but bloody nerves are still. An interesting thing... I. Remember when I talked to her um, four years ago, was that she she couldn't wait to finish school. She was still at school at, the, at um, Mount Aspiring College. She was still there, and she wanted to study accountancy because she loves maths and she loves figures and numbers. And so that must come into the whole thing too. That. Um, you know, it must be like a, a mathematical equation doing one of these jumps. Um, you know, the, the degrees and the percentages and mm. and all that kind of thing. So that's probably another reason that she's so good is she can look at it in a different way, in quite a calculated way. So you've interviewed her a number of times. Yeah. What does she like to talk to? She's very natural. She's lovely to talk to, easy to talk to. Uh, but you know that she's, you can kind of sense that drive, that determination, that passion to do well. But for her, a big part of it is to have fun. I think if she wasn't enjoying it, she wouldn't do it. Mm. You know, she's starting um, to learn to surf. She likes skiing on powder in Japan. Her, her coaches make sure that there's a lot of fun, that she does get that those fun times, that it's not all just grinding out those that training and competing on that tough circuit. They make sure she gets away and does things that, I was going to say what normal young women her age would do, but really, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no. She's, she's got that daredevil about her, that adventure, sense of adventure about her, and... I think I love of the outdoors. So yeah. I really liked your article where you were talking about what is actually going on here in New Zealand while these games are still in place. There are ex winter Olympians going spending time with young children in the South Island. Tell me about that. They've realised that they have to capitalise on this opportunity to get young boys and girls into snow sports, be it free skiing or um, skating or snowboarding. And so every day that the um, Olympics have been on, they've had school kids come to Kadrona and um, talk to a former Winter Olympian, ask them questions about what it was like, and then they get to go out on the um, big landing bag and do a couple of twists and turns and flips just to see what it's like. And it's been fantastic. And a lot of kids obviously very interested in what Zoe has done. The real trick, though, here is keeping those kids interested until winter comes because it's all very well that they're interested now, but until there's snow on the mountains that they can get out there and actually do it, you know, there's just so much 
going on in sport now. And, you know, we've got the Women's Cricket World Cup coming up here in, gosh, 16, 15 days' time. Wow. Really soon for a month. And so that's going to be front and centre of, you know, media coverage. And so, you know, girls will watch that and go, oh, maybe I want to be a cricketer now. Mm. So there's so much out there that they can do. So it's now up to Snow Sports New Zealand to really capitalise on what Zoe has done. When Zoe comes home, I think she wants to come home for her brother's wedding in March, Um, you know, getting her out there, talking to kids, letting them, you know, hold her gold and silver and the bronze medal that she probably keeps at home in a sock. Um, And, you know, just getting kids hooked. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is really, you know, a young person's sport. And saying that, though, the gold medalist was 30 in the big year. Very old. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, And Zoe likes working with children. Yeah, yeah. So after um, she won her bronze medal, she came home and spent a lot of time with local kids. Um, She helped a local brownie and Pippin's pack make a waterfall um she's you know taught kids how to play t-ball at, at local primary schools she loves being around kids and um so it will come very naturally to her to do that to spend time with them and and inspire them without really having to do much other than just be there she's already said she wants to go to the next olympics yeah she'll so, be 24 then yeah and then it, after that, she'll be 28. She told me once that she wanted to still be competing when she was 30. So she's she's got another 10 years ahead of her. But, but gosh, you wonder, I mean, how often do they get injured with these crashes? And Often. I mean, the, the number of times I've heard during these Olympics that, you know, a skier can't or a snowboarder can't continue performing because they've hurt their tailbones. <laughs> um, ben Barclay, the New Zealand free skier who finished 10th in his event, the Slopestyle, he injured his knee and he he carried on. So they're pretty gritty, um, like, like any um, of our elite athletes. Mm. But I would say, you know, my heart is in my mouth every time they you see them take off. You're like, please don't crash. Please don't hurt yourself. And it was kind of, you know, upsetting to see Alice Robinson, our top alpine skier, um, crash in the Super G. And she she looked like she'd really hurt herself. But she got up and she limped away and she had hurt her leg. But then she decided, what the hell, I'm here. I'm going to enter the downhill an event she's only ever done three times, and she went out there and completed it. So she had she's had a really rough Olympics. She was definitely medal potential. Um, she had quite a hard run up to this, though. She got COVID, which took her off the snow for a while, you know, in, in an important time when she probably should have been still training but couldn't. Um, and she, yeah, she had really difficult Olympics. But again, she's 20. So she's probably got another two or three Olympics in her if that's what she wants to do. Mm. And that's the wonderful thing about this 
our latest crop of Olympians is that they're all young and they've all still got so much time ahead of them. And every time that they compete on a stage like this, they're learning and they take that forward to the next big event. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded by NZ On Air and is a joint newsroom RNZ production. You can download us free to your mobile phone every day on any podcast platform. Sarah Robson produced this episode and Rangi Poek engineered it. Thanks to Suzanne McFadden. Kakite anō. Anu.